0: at some point in your life that promise has had to be something that you really hung on to even when you couldn't really see god's with me even though right now i don't really know that Uh, and and at some point you get it you see it you recognize it and you know one of the things i think that's great about and, and you can be reminded more quickly okay god's with me god's with me he's not leaving me he's with me and he's got everything worked out in advance. And that's good news. Amen? Amen? Well, let me ask you a question as we start off this morning in our, our topic. Um, now, exclude God from this answer, okay? You'll understand what I'm saying in just a minute. But here's a question. What is something that you com- have complete confidence in? Think of one thing that you have complete confidence in. You could say, I got confidence in that. And, and the reason I say exclude God is because that's an easy answer. Because He's one you should have complete confidence in. But anything in life, people, anything that you think, immediately you go, okay, I got complete confidence in that. Your mother, okay. Yeah, I understand that. (laughs) Okay, so you're naming some, some people, all right? The sun comes up every day, right? And, and, you know, it's amazingly consistent because they can tell you what time it's going to show up tomorrow, right? Because they know how it's all worked pattern-wise. And it's kind of connected to God, though, isn't it? But it's, it's the sun rises. What else? <laughs> okay. What? Gravity. Gravity. Okay. We, we trust that principle, don't we? Uh, none of us are going to go up on a high place today and jump off thinking it's not going to work today, right? I'm just going to float. We know how it works, right? We get it. We have complete confidence in it. How many of you would say in the world we live in, the things that you can have complete confidence in are shrinking? Think about this for just a minute. I mean, it used to be a person could do a deal with a handshake, right? A person could just say, hey, I'm going to do that. And you'd say, okay, I trust you. Uh, You might have grown up in a situation where you didn't even lock your doors in your house. You had complete confidence that people aren't coming in and taking my stuff, right? Maybe. Some of you are going, never live like that. (laughs) There are places that happens. People actually do that. Uh, You might have actually lived in a world that the the news was unbiased in. (laughs) I know. Maybe not. Maybe you've never lived there. But uh, there was a time where it was supposed to be. I don't know if it really was. Uh, You know, all those kind of things they're about confidence, they're about trust, and, and, and to me, they seem to be shrinking in our world. You know, you used to buy something and you'd think, well, it's going to last me a long time. Because it was built to last, right? Now everything's kind of built replaceable, isn't it? It's probably going to be replaced before it even wears out. Because, you know, that's just the way it's designed. And, you know, we the Bible tells us we have an enemy of our souls, right? He's at work and he's got strategies and he's doing things to undermine what God wants. And, and I think one of the things that we should be aware of is that that he has tried to create a culture, tried to create an atmosphere in our world that breeds distrust. In fact, don't you sometimes feel prudent to not trust? I mean, it's almost like a virtue to not trust. On Craigslist, What do you, what are you thinking when you're buying? Yeah, am I getting what they're saying? Is this an axe murderer? Is this, you know, meeting in a public place? And you feel like not trusting is actually prudent in life. Now, I'm not saying that that you should blindly trust uh, people in, in every situation. But here's the thing that I think without us realizing that that atmosphere in our world does for us is it produces almost a natural distrust even for God it would almost cause us to think it's prudent to not just buy into everything. I mean, you've got to be a bit skeptical, right? Well, here's the thing about God. Now, you certainly should test everything that comes from man, but things that come from God, you should buy in quick, and you should buy all in. You shouldn't hesitate. You shouldn't be apprehensive or scared about it, because when it's God, it's good, okay? Okay. And we get that thing, those kind of things from his word. But here's the reality and what we're going to talk about today. Faith is really the currency by which you do business with God. Did you know that? If you're going to have a relationship with God, you know what's going to have to be strong in your life? Faith will need to be strong in your life. Now, some people think, well, you know what? I would like God to do business with me without faith. I would like him to come to me in a way that I get it and, and I can say, okay, God, do this so I know you're real. Do this so I know you love me. Do this, do this, do this, and I'll be good with it. So come on, God, do it my way. Let's let's don't put the whole step of faith unknown. Let's don't put any of that in the mix. Let's just make it really concrete, at least concrete to me. Now, here's the interesting thing about God. Some of you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, that's good. Why don't you do that? I'd like it that way. He won't. Now, he has created a scenario in our walk with him where we have to have faith in him, where we have to have trust in him. And, And here's the thing about God. He's not needy. Did you know that? He's not needy. So God's not worried when you go, I don't believe you. He's not going, you hurt my feelings. How could you not believe me? Gabriel, let's go over and do something about that. Let's figure out a way to convince them that we're real. He's not doing that. He'll present you with enough evidence that you should believe, and then he'll leave the choice with you. Now, if you don't believe, you're missing out. If you don't believe, you're the one that gets shortchanged. So you're not doing yourself a favor by being skeptical about God. You actually do yourself a favor when you trust him. When you believe him, when you fully buy in. So when it comes to relationship with God, in order for it to flourish, we need what we're going to call this morning a robust faith. You know what robust is? No? It's when something's vibrant, when something's strong. Now, the disciples were rebuked many times for Je- by Jesus for having little faith. Now, when you look up that word little, we translate it little, it really means puny. So guess what he was not doing when he said, Oh, ye of little faith. He wasn't patting him on the back. He was rebuking that, right? He was saying, not good, guys. Little faith's not good. That's not where you want to be. So that's why they asked him to increase their faith because they realized, you know what? Faith has got to be strong for me to walk with God. And so we're going to talk about strengthening our faith. We're going to talk about what it means. Now, faith is a topic that if you've been in the church any time, you've heard talked about. So, So what I ask you not to do is tune out. Because you're like oh, faith, I know about faith. Because all of us need to be reminded about faith. Because faith needs to be growing. It's not just something you experience when you come to Christ, it's something you live by, the scriptures say, all the way through your walk with him. It's all about faith. Now, when it comes to faith, here's what we what we want to start with. We don't want to think about well, what do I think faith means? What does faith mean when I'm dealing with people? What does faith mean when I'm uh, thinking about uh, things in my world? What we want to find out is when we talk about faith, what does the Bible say faith is? You know, when when it's talking about faith, what does it mean? Because terms, you know, can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, can't they? You and I can use the same term and mean different things by it. So we want to find out what God has to say about it. Now, in Scripture, one of the things that you'll find when it talks about faith is it's talking about confidence, certainty, and conviction. Okay, It's not talking about a maybe. When the Bible talks about faith, it's not talking about that. It's talking about something that you have absolute confidence in. You know for certain. You're absolutely convinced. Now, if you don't feel that way about God this morning, let me tell you, that's where he wants you to be. He doesn't want you to be apprehensive about him. He doesn't want you to wonder if he exists. He wants you to know that he exists. He wants you to be absolutely certain, absolutely confident. He wants you to recognize that he is the creator of all and the sustainer of all. Now, in, in the book of Hebrews, if you want to turn over there, you can. Chapter 11, famous chapter about faith. because the, the author of Hebrews has been talking to his people that are listening to him about not forsaking God, not not abandoning their faith and so he gets to to the we didn't have the 11th chapter then we added those but he gets to this portion of his letter and he says this in verse 1 now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen now assurance is a pretty strong word right if you're sure of something that means you've got reason to be sure about it right so it's the assurance of things hoped for. Now, don't, don't misunderstand the word hope here because sometimes when we think about hope, we think about like, well, I bought a lottery ticket and I hope I win. Now, that's one kind of hope. It's misguided hope, but it's one kind of hope. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about hope that is rooted in God's promises. In fact, the Amplified there says "things divinely decreed, hopes and things divinely decreed." So the hope that he's talking about here is something that's sure. It's only hope because it hasn't shown up yet. You see, there's things that you you mentioned the sunrise. You could say, "I hope the sun rises tomorrow," but inside you're going, "I know the sun's rising tomorrow." It hasn't happened yet, so I'm still hoping, but I'm really hoping. I mean, I'm really sure when I'm hoping. So, when it's things that God has said, God has decreed, when you talk about hope, you're talking about, yeah, I'm hoping because it's not here, but I know it's coming because it has to do with God. So, it's assured of those things, but it's also convicted of things that are unseen. Now, I would imagine a lot of you here are like me, and you like to have concrete things. You like things to be certain. You like them to be You like for your mind to be completely convinced of something, okay? You don't like uncertainty. And so sometimes when we deal with God, uh, there's an unseen bit. There's a part that can't be perceived by our senses, right? You don't close your eyes, and all of a sudden you can touch God with your hand. Okay? He's not like that, is he? So there's an unseen element that's always in play when it comes to God. But here's the thing about faith faith is that ability to comprehend something that's unseen and you actually can recognize that it's more real than what's seen now you might say well how could something that's unseen be more real than what's seen the more real thing is what i see what i touch right well here's the thing about all those things that you see and you touch is they are temporary aren't they is there anything in this room other than the part of us that's eternal, okay, that is not going to decay and disappear? Anything you can see? Those chairs, do they last forever? Nope, they don't. Okay, all this stuff that you can feel, that you can touch, you know, you can see, you can all those senses, you can smell things. I mean, it's all temporary, right? But now when it comes to God, he's eternal, but he's unseen. So faith gives you the ability to to recognize something unseen can be more real than something seen. Now, that might still be messing with your head a little bit. But think about this. The part of you, those of you who have accepted Christ in this room, you believe you're going to live forever? Okay. okay. If Jesus doesn't return, what part of you is going to live forever? What's going to go first to meet him? The spirit, right? How many of you have seen a human spirit? Anybody? Do you believe they exist? Do you believe, for instance, and, and not to be whatever with this, because, you know, obviously when someone dies, it's a sad event. But if you've ever been around someone who has passed away, you know that's their house. They're not there anymore. You know it. You can you can just tell they're not there anymore. That was a house. was a temporary place of living. So that part of us that's eternal is actually the part That's not seen, is it? I can see you physically. I can touch you physically. But the part of you that's living forever, I can't really see. But I know it's there, right? So when it comes to God, uh, faith is actually that part of us that is able to reach out and recognize that something is more real that I can't see than what I can. So faith is going to be really important in our lives. And faith, here's the other thing about faith, it has to be rooted in God. You see, sometimes when we talk about faith, people are thinking about positive thinking. Positive thinking is different than faith. Nothing wrong with thinking positively, okay? It's better than thinking negatively. But it's not faith, not faith in God anyway. For instance, if you got up in the morning and you said, I have faith that today everything will go perfect all day. How long will that last? You think <laughs> twenty minutes, maybe? You could last till lunchtime, maybe. Lunchtime, okay. So, so you might think, "Hey, I'm pa- I'm faithful. I, I, I'm full of faith about this. I'm believing everything's going to work out today." Well, if you root your faith in something like that, it's going to get disappointed regularly, right? Because you know you live in a world that everything doesn't go perfectly in. And so, therefore, that's not a good thing to root your faith in because it's not going to last long. And here's what's going to happen with that type of faith or positive thinking is it's not really going to grow because it's always going to get contradicted and it's always going to be back and forth. And some of it's just hyping ourselves up. Okay? Some of it's inflating faith, so to speak, and, and it can be easily deflated. You know, hype can be a powerful emotional thing but it doesn't necessarily have substance, right? How many of you have seen the the commercial for Southwest Airlines where the coach comes in before the basketball game, and he says, we're going to win. We're going all the way. In fact, we have bought our tickets all the way to the finals. And they all come in dejected after the game, and they have to get tickets to go back home because they didn't make it. And so the coach had them hyped up, right? But reality hit, and they had to go home. So faith is not like that. You see, faith the type of faith that we're talking about is rooted in who God is so here's what we're gonna we're gonna use an analogy this morning faith's gonna be like a plant all right so if you can think of it that way plants need the right environment to grow and thrive right how many of you are good with plants I'm just curious Valerie how many huh oh okay No, I think that's the other kind we were talking about. Anybody, really? Seriously? I didn't see any. I got distracted by Mary's good with plants. Amy's good with plants. She's kind of got a jungle growing on her back porch there. So plants, you know, you have to know what to do for them, right? That's the only way you're good with them. Uh, You know, everybody kind of that knows Valerie would joke about that because we had a cactus one time that was sitting right next to our sink, and it died it died of no water okay now it was right next to the sink all you got to do is like put a little water on it so we don't do real, we don't do plants we do fake plants in our household they work really well but anyway if you're going to if if plants are going to thrive you got to have the right soil for them to be in right you got to have the right water well when we think about this analogy of faith being like a plant let's let's say that the soil that it grows in Is the faithfulness of God. Okay, if you're going to have faith, here's what you've got to know about God He is what? Faithful. He's faithful. Now, in order to have faith in Him, you've got to understand something about His nature and about who He is. Because here's the thing about God He doesn't change. Okay. The scripture, when it talks about him, in fact, in 2 Samuel, you don't have to turn to this, I'll just read it to you. David sings this about God. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 47 says this, The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. Now, is God this? Is David going, I got God. He's right here. He's a rock. You may date yourself here, but how many of you remember pet rocks? Have they come back around yet? They have? Okay. So I don't really remember that much about them because I never was into that kind of thing because it just didn't make much sense to me. But they sold rocks, right? Pet rocks. Now, God's not a pet rock. Okay. So when the scripture says, blessed be my rock, he's not saying, I got a rock and it's God and I can carry him with me. Okay? That's not at all what it's saying. Uh, when it's talking about God being a rock, it's using that that language to talk about the fact that he's immo- immovable, that he's certain. In fact, if God were a rock, throw me the picture up for me, Stephen. He wouldn't be like this. He would be like that. Does anybody know what rock that is? It's the rock of Gibraltar. And when people see that, it, it's a striking image because if you see the city down below, it looks so tiny next to it, doesn't it? And if you were if you were on a cruise or you were passing by, you wouldn't miss this rock because it's there and it's obvious and it's big and it, it's not going anywhere. It's steady. It's always going to be there. So when it talks about God being like that, when God's like a rock, he's saying, look, it's not just that, that he's like a stone you can pick up. He's like something that's immovable, unshakable. He's always going to be there. He's always going to be strong. In fact, turn over to the book of Exodus. I want to show you how God reveals himself in Scripture because in the book of Exodus, we have this amazing picture when God shows up and talks to Moses uh, to begin to commission him to go in and take care of letting the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he reveals himself to him in the burning bush. And Moses says, you know, I don't know. I don't know about this whole plan, God. In chapter 3, verse 13, it says this. It "says Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and, they say, and say to them, uh, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, they will ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That's a little bit of an odd response in a a way. But if you understand what God was saying there, what he's saying is, I'm the self-existent one. I'm the eternal. In other words, when he uses that term, he's saying something about himself. I have always been. I'm not created. I've always been. And he's self-existent. What does that mean? He's not dependent upon anybody or anything. You see, we're dependent on things, right? If somebody took the oxygen out of this room right now, we'd all have trouble. Okay? We're very dependent upon that. If somebody deprived us of food and water, we would die because we're dependent upon things. God's not like that. He says, I'm self-existent. I don't need anybody or anything to exist. So he's letting him know about that. Now, you might say, what does that have to do with his faithfulness? Well, because he's not dependent on anybody... Nobody can change him. You see, mankind can can push back against him all they want. This whole planet could revolt against God, and guess what? He'd still be the same. He'd still be the same. It wouldn't faze him one bit. Now, it's not what he wants, but it wouldn't change him. It wouldn't change who he is because he'll always be the same. He is faithful. That's who he is. And, And then he goes on in this, and he says, uh, I am has sent me to you. Uh, verse 15, God said to Moses, say to, this, uh, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. He's saying, look, I was the God of Abraham, then I'm the God of Isaac, and then I'm the God of Jacob. In other words, he's saying, I'm the same. I'm the same for him, I'm the same for him, I'm the same for him, and I'm the same for you. So he's reminding them of that. And then he says this, this is my name forever. Back to him saying, I am, this is my name forever. And thus I will be to be remembered throughout all generations. In other words, God is saying here, look, when you get who I am, just hold on to that. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. He says, I'm going to be like this for how long? Forever. Forever. (coughs) Forever. Now, have you ever known anybody that changed their name? No one of somebody to change their name. Why do people normally change their name? Maybe they got a really bad one. Okay. Maybe, maybe their parents named them after their great aunt or uncle and they didn't want that name. They were like, no way. I don't want to be called that all my life. But a lot of times, why do they change their name? Huh? Well, they might not like their name, but maybe they're trying to distance themselves from something that's associated with it. Maybe they're trying to say, you know what? I don't want to be called that because that's who I used to be or that's, you know, sometimes they'll go into something like witness protection and I change my name because I don't want to be known. I don't want people to realize who I am or whatever. A lot of times we have these motives for changing our name. God's not like that. He's not like, you know what, I think in the Old Testament people knew me and I was kind of mean, and, and, and in the New Testament I want to be warm and fuzzy, so don't call me Jehovah anymore. He's not like that. He's like, look, I am who I am. I've always been who I am I'll always be who I am. And I'm not changing. I'm not changing at all. In fact, people who think he changed from the old to the new don't really understand who he is at all because he didn't. Okay, He's the same God. He was merciful then. He's merciful now. He just gave us Christ, which made a huge difference. But he's not going to change. He said, you can call me this forever. I'll always be self-existent. I'll always be faithful. I'll always be who I am. So when it comes to God, here's the thing that we got to realize. and it comes to faith, we're going to trust in his faithfulness. But here's the thing we got to realize: we have no claims on God. Okay, let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes when people uh, take in the idea of faith, they think, "Well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna demand of God through faith what we want, and He's gonna do it." No, never works that way. And here's the reason: because you would have to be as righteous as God to have a claim on God, and none of us none of us can qualify, right? So. We can never go in and go, God, you owe me. By my standard, you should do this, and I expect it to happen this way. Now, you could say that. It wouldn't get you anywhere because it's not true. Because when it comes to God, here's what we do. We recognize, you know what, God? You're absolutely faithful. I'm absolutely unfaithful in comparison to you. So, therefore, I'm going to throw myself on your mercy and your faithfulness. And I'm going to trust that even though I'm not really good at this whole faithful thing, even if you think you're good at it, you're not near as good as God is. And I'm going to trust that because you are faithful and you are merciful, that's a good thing for me. And I'm going to humbly approach you knowing that, you know what? I can absolutely trust in you, but I have no claims on you. I don't have anything that says, God, you have to do what I say. Because see, here's the thing about God when it comes to his faithfulness. He's not faithful to your wants and whims and my wants and whims, he's faithful to himself. Okay? Now we might say, well, he's faithful to us too, right? Well, as it pertains to his purpose and his plan, he is, but he's faithful to who he is. That's why it affects us in a positive way. He's not faithful to, like if you go, you know what, God, I'd really like a Cadillac. He's not going, you know what, I'm really faithful to his whims. He likes Cadillacs. Let's make sure he gets one because we got to be faithful. He's not like that. Okay, he's faithful to his plans, his purposes, and thankfully that includes us. And so he is faithful to us, but not faithful to our desires, to our whims, to just little things that that we, little rabbit trails we chase in life. So that brings us to another part part of this whole growing our faith. First one, we've got to have the right soul, right? Soil is his faithfulness. Second thing you need for plants to grow well is water, right? So we're going to water our faith with his promises, now, if you want your faith to grow, here's something you've got to be really aware of. You gotta be aware of God's promises. Because He is faithful, right? And He said things. He said things that we can hold on to, that we can trust in. We talked this morning just a little bit about the whole idea of Him never leaving us and forsaking us. You should hold to that promise. At all stages of life, you should hold to that promise. Why? Because it won't change. So when it comes to God's promises, it's really important that we understand, you know what? If I will glean those out of his word, I can hold on to them at every stage of life, in every circumstance, in every situation, I can hold on to them. Now, here's why. In the book of Numbers, there's a passage talking about God in Numbers chapter 23. uh, In verse 19, it says this, God is not a man that he should lie. So once again, he's distinguishing himself, right? Men, mankind, we all lie at some point. You know what? Even if you don't intend to lie, you sometimes lie. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, if I say I'm going to be there at 1030 and I get stuck in traffic, technically, I didn't keep my word. Because I can't control all those outcomes, can I? God can control all the outcomes. So when he says something, it really will happen because he gets to control everything. So if you were God and you could control everything, you could always say, I'm going to, I'm going to, and it would always happen because you would know in advance that you could do that. But we're not. So when he says God's not a man, he's, he's pointing out something. Look, I'm not like you. I'm different than you, so therefore I don't lie. I don't have any reason to lie, even even like you do sometimes when you don't mean to. Or the son of man, that he should change his mind, because he knows everything, he can be faithful to what he says, because when he said it, he already knew what was ahead. See, for us, we change our mind a lot, right? Why do we change our mind? We new information. You know, I thought I liked this, but now I'm seeing this is better. And so, therefore, I'm going after that. I changed my mind. God doesn't do that because he has all the information when he makes up his mind. He knows everything there is to be known. So he doesn't change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Now, that's a question, but the answer is what? If he said it, what's he going to do? He's going to do it. If he spoke it, what's he going to do? Whatever he said, he's going to do. That's just the way it is when you're dealing with God. Think about Abraham for a moment. He's one of the most prominent people of faith within the Scriptures. Did God make some big promises to him? Did God make some crazy promises to him when you think about it? I mean, he's an old guy, and God says, you're going to have children. In fact, you're going to have nations come from you. Now, we might look at that and go, that's just nutty. That old guy must be a little senile to believe that because there's no way that's happening. But God said it. That's the only reason it happened, because God said it. Did he keep his word? Is he still keeping his word to Abraham? He is. Because he said, look, I'm going to watch out after your your children and their generations, and I'm going to bless them. And he's still doing that for Israel. No reason they should exist, but they do. In fact, when we think about promises, we could think about the people of Israel and the promises that he made to them. He told them many, on many occasions, if you're scattered to other nations, I will bring you back. Did you know that's still happening in our day? People are still returning to Israel that have been scattered all over the world. And you think, well, that's just a coincidence. No, it's not. It's God keeping his promise. He's still keeping his promise to that group of people. And then when we think about God's promises, one of the most prominent promises throughout Scripture It's front to back that we'll start to to celebrate in another month or so is the coming of Christ, right? Isn't that the most amazing promise that all the way through the Old Testament, he kept pointing to something that was going to happen, and then he did it exactly like he said. Now, there's no way anyone here could have orchestrated those type of events. Just no way. No way you could tell where somebody was going to be born, who they were going to be born into the household of. And and all the prophecies, Jesus fulfilled some 300 prophecies. The mathematical probabilities of that is staggering. It's the equivalent, and if you've been around here any time, you've heard me tell this, and I got it from Josh McDowell. It's the equivalent of taking uh, half dollars and stacking them up knee-deep over the state of Texas, and taking one of them and marking it with a red X and mixing them all up and you picking that one up the first time. That's the probabilities. Now, those numbers are beyond our comprehension, and the reason it's that is because nobody could do that except for God, and he did. So promises when it comes to God, if he makes it, what's he going to do? He's going to keep it. So if you want to water your faith, what do you do with it? You get into his word and you find his promises. Now, here's what you can't do in the Bible. You can't just go in and randomly pick promises and apply them to you. For instance, I doubt this is the case, but if any of you ladies are, are at an older time of your life and you go, you know, I'd like to have another child, I'm going to go in there and say what Sarah got. She got this promise, and I'm going I'm to have a child to my old age. Now, that won't work for you. Why? Because that was very specific to one individual. But there are loads of promises that are not specific to one individual all the way through the Scriptures that talk about the people of God, that talk about what God has in mind for us, what He has in store for us. And so we can hold on to those promises. We should hold on to those promises. And when we do, guess what happens to our faith? It begins to build. If you're still in the book of Hebrews, and maybe you aren't because you've followed me through some of the other Scriptures, But in chapter 6, let me read you this, talking about God's promises. In chapter 6, verse 17 of Hebrews, it says this, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose. So when God says something and he intends it, he's going to do it. Okay, it's unchangeable. It says he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two Unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. In other words, He had a purpose and He made a promise. He said it, "I will do it." He he obligated Himself verbally. So He says, "Look, it's by two immutable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie. If He says it, He can't go back on it. He won't go back on it." We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. So he's saying, look, we can look at what God has promised to us and we can look at everything he's done. And here's what we know. When he makes a promise, it's because he purposed it and he said it. And so, therefore, it's impossible for him to lie. He won't lie. So it can be an anchor to your soul. Now, why is an anchor to our soul? Well, when you're going through turbulent times, when you're going through difficulty It's like being on the waters of the ocean. Anybody ever been out in a storm, been in some really rough water? Okay, that gets a little nerve-wracking. But if you drop an anchor, what's it designed to do? Hold you, right, in the midst of it. Hold you somewhere. Don't let you just be taken wherever the wind would take you. So the promises of God, guess what they do for our soul? You can drop anchor and you can hold on. In the midst of something that could be shaking you, something that could be moving you, your faith can remain strong. Now, when it comes to this whole idea of faith, let me say this. It, it is a big deal. Okay, so, so if you think faith is an optional thing for you, it's not. Okay, So you really want to grow your faith. You want your faith to be strong. If you sit here today and you think it's not strong, don't be okay with that. You want your faith to be strong. Now let me tell you why you want it to be strong. If you've read the Gospels, and hopefully you have, if you haven't, I would encourage you to do that. Jesus spoke a lot about faith, didn't he? Did you know he did? Uh, in fact, Jesus responded very much to what faith, didn't he? You cannot go in and read the Gospels without seeing that Jesus responded to faith. He was he was moved by it. He encouraged it. In fact, many times he rebuked his disciples. You know, he he came in one time and they were trying to cast the devil out of a man who was possessed and they couldn't do it. And the guy said, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do it. Could you do something? And Jesus did it. And they're like, why couldn't we do it? And he said, oh, you have little faith. What's he saying there? You didn't have enough faith. Your faith was small. So grow it. Don't be content with it being like that. Grow it. So he's encouraging them. Now, in the book of Mark, chapter 11. I'm going to read you verse 22 through 24. It says this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, have faith in God. Now, this has happened right after the disciples have seen Jesus walk up to a fig tree. The fig tree didn't have fruit on it, and he cursed it. Now, Jesus is the creator of the universe, the Scripture tells us, right? So if Jesus curses a tree, what happens to the tree? It's going to die because he's a sustainer of life. If he decides to take it, then it's going to die. Guess what it did? It died. The disciples were like, what in the world? He just talked to that tree yesterday, and it's dead. So he gives them a little lesson from that. He says, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now, he's talking figuratively here, not about us removing literal mountains, right? Be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, we know through other scriptures, and and it's even implied here, that he's talking about things that are in accordance with God's will. You don't get to just go out and say whatever you want, and it'll happen, right? But if you are in accordance with God's promises, and you cling to it, and you hold to it, and that becomes the word of your mouth, and that becomes the thing that you trust in, him, not you, guess what's going to happen? If you cling to his promises, you pray according to his promises, It's going to happen. He says it will happen. It will be yours. Now, the only reason it says that is because faith activates what God has said. Now, here's what we're not saying this morning. What we're not saying is faith is the cure-all for everything. If you just had enough faith, everything in your life would be perfect. That's not what we're saying. But here's what we are saying. Faith is very important to God's will being fulfilled in your life. In fact... I will say this, Scripture, and we'll read you a passage just so you know this is based on what I'm about to say in Scripture. Scripture does let us know that without faith, some of the things that God wants for our life won't come to pass. Some of the things that God would like to do in your life will not happen if faith's missing. Now, I'll tell you where I get that from in the book of Hebrews once again. If you want to read with me, you can turn over to chapter 4. If not, it will be up on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, while the promise of verse 1, the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So there's a promise. He's talking about the children of Israel, so he's drawing a reference to them. And then he says this in verse 2, for the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Or a more accurate translation, an alternate translation, even in this passage that I'm reading, is that it wasn't mixed with faith in those that heard. So a promise came to them, but it wasn't met with what? Faith. Now, remember the children of Israel, Okay children of Israel had a promise. They were going to be taken into a promised land. God said, I'll give this land to you. They got to the edge of it. They saw the giants. What did they do? They didn't believe. And what happened? That group of people who didn't get to believe didn't get to go in. Now, you might think, well, gosh, why didn't he just let them go in? Because they didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. And it took faith for them to be able to do it. And they refused to believe. They simply refused to believe. Let's go on a little bit further. Verse uh, 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. He's talking specifically about a promise of rest. As he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, speaking of the rebellious group, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, God's saying, look, I completed what I had to do. I made the promise. I told them it was theirs. All they had to do was believe it. And what did they refuse to do? believe it and so therefore it didn't happen for them now there will be many people that live on planet earth that hear about jesus and the promise of eternal salvation is offered and they won't believe it and what will happen they won't get the benefit of it they won't get it just because they didn't believe it not because it wasn't available not because it wasn't what god wanted for them Because they just simply chose not to believe. So is that where we want to be? Not at all. Not at all. So here's what I'm encouraging you to do today. Wherever you're at in your faith, you know, whatever the plant of your faith looks like, if it's just a little tiny shoot, that's okay. You know, Jesus said, look, faith with a mustard seed can do mighty things. Like the size of a mustard seed can do mighty things. So if it's little, that's okay. That's where you start. But don't be content for it to stay puny. All right? All right. In fact, I think I blew through it. I don't know if he put them up there, but I had an example of of an arm. Did you throw that up earlier? Did I miss that? You don't want your arm to look like that, okay, when it comes to faith. That's not the muscle of faith. That's not the muscle you want, right? Because do you see the muscle? It's there, right? It's just not really visible. You want it to look like the second picture, okay? You want it to be strong, right? So when you talk about faith, you want to be able to flex that muscle and you want to be able to let it accomplish some things because it is kind of like a muscle that gets used and gets strengthened and it gets brought up to a place where it's strong. Now, that's where you want to be. And you might be thinking, I'm not a person that's like that. Faith is really hard for me. You don't understand. And, and that's okay if that's where you're at today. But if you choose to stay there, it'll just be because you chose to stay there. Not because it's not possible for you to move away from that. So if you want to move away from weak faith, puny faith, small faith, here's what you've got to do. You've got to meditate on His faithfulness. You've got to be convinced God is faithful to His Word. And then you've got to take His promises, and you just got to keep pouring them in. And you say, well, how do I get this? Well, you get in your Bible. You know what? Today, you could probably just go, you could find a book that, look, somebody did it all for you. They took them all out, and they put them all together. And you could just read one after another. Now, I would suggest that you find the context of them in the scriptures, too. But they're all through his word. Every time you're reading, you know what you ought to do? note to promise. No to promise. If you see a promise, if you're reading in Romans 8 and you see, wait, it says that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And you stop and you go, is that me? Yeah, that's me. I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. So guess what? even when something doesn't seem to be working for my good, it is because God's working because he's the one at work. So I can hold on to that. I can rest in that. I can trust in that. So you can just go on and on and on throughout scripture. Now you might go, well, can I really hold on to those things? Yeah, you really can. You really can. Because if he said it, what do we learn? He'll do it. Will he always do it in the time frame and the way that you would like? No, because he's God and he's smarter than you. He's smarter than me. And so we'll trust him with that part of it. But we'll hang on to his promises and we'll let our faith grow and we'll let our faith be vibrant, robust and impactful. And that's the only way you'll see everything that God wants for your life actually happen. If you decide, well, no, it's more prudent to be unbelieving and skeptical and and, you know, hard to convince, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. You're going to miss out on God in a lot of ways. So I wouldn't suggest you choose that road. I would suggest that you decide, I'm going to believe him. Wherever I see it, even if people go, you're a nut for believing that. Abraham was a nut. But you know what? He got what God said, didn't he? He got it. And there's a whole nation that exists because God fulfilled that promise. So just be crazy enough to believe him. If there's any area of your life that you throw off the boundaries and go for it 100%, go for this one. I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to really believe him. I'm going to really trust him. I'm going to really depend on him. Can we do that? All right. Why don't you all stand? Now, you know what you're going to have to do in order to do that, right? You're going to have to get into his word. You have to do that. Now, you won't find his promise. You can't make them up. You can't say, oh, I think I'd like for God to have promised me this. you got to look and see what he promised. And, you know, sometimes he'll speak things to your heart, too. And he'll tell you, look, I'm going to take care of this for you, and you can hold on to that as well when he speaks it. It's true because he didn't go back on his word. Amen. Now, here's what I'd like to do before we go. I always close in a prayer. But I want to pray for anybody whose heart struggles in this area because sometimes faith is a challenge for people. And you might have a past that tells you, you know what? It's really hard to trust. It's really hard to believe. I've had a lot of things happen in my life that I don't understand. My suggestion when you run into those kind of situations is have more confidence in God than you have in your past. Have more confidence in God than you have in what's happened to you because God is greater than that. God is much greater than that. And no matter what you've experienced up to this point in your life, if you hold on to him, he'll let you experience what he wants for your life and it'll be good. And so you got nothing to lose trusting God. You really don't. So you might as well be all in on it. You might as well. Because it hasn't worked too well for you if you haven't trusted him. I guarantee you that. If you haven't been trusting him, that hasn't worked well. So trust him. Trust him. We'll wait till the song gets done before we <laughs> pray. All right, why don't you all bow your heads. Heavenly Father, We just come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that uh, your promises are sure, Lord, that when we find truth in your word, we can hang on to that with everything in us because it's going to be true. It's going to happen. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for every heart here that struggles in the arena of faith. Lord, even somebody that might be sitting there this morning going, I just don't know about all that stuff with God and Lord, help them through that. Lord, help them to realize that you are real, that you are powerful, that you created everything that we see and don't see, and that you, Lord, sustain it all, and that you can absolutely be trusted. If you say something, it's true. If you tell us, don't go down that road, it's bad for you, we can we can trust, don't go down that road. If you tell us, hang on to this promise because it's going to happen, we can hang on to that promise. And so, Father, I pray that today, Lord, we would embrace a robust faith, Lord, a faith that's growing, that's getting strong, that's moving forward, that's being watered by your promises and being anchored in your faithfulness, Lord. And so, Father, today, Lord, I just pray that you help us all to take on the challenge, Lord, of letting our faith grow, to letting our faith increase, Lord, letting you do a work in our life that makes us strong in faith and, Lord, living that life. And, Father, for those this morning that that just can't even really comprehend living a life that's not suspicious and anxious and and troubled. Lord, help us to realize, okay, that's possible. That's something that I want. And let us trust you, Lord, to take us there. And Father, I pray that you'd help us as your people, Lord, to be anchored in your faithfulness and to be trusting of you and to be full of faith in who you are and what you promise. And we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, of living life with you and learning from you. And we receive that challenge this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.